So this past week, I read an article titled, The Song That Wasn't True. And that kind of intrigued me just a little bit. So I actually read the whole article, since it intrigued me that much, right? You know how that is. The song was written in 1857 by a man named John Henry Hopkins. You all know all about him, I'm sure. But the story is based on a, tr a, 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 a thought that came out of the Armenia, country of Armenia, back in the 600s. Mr. Hopkins was an ordained deacon in the Episcopal Church, and while he was serving as the music director of the General Theological Seminary in New York City, he composed this carol for a Christmas pageant. The name of the song is the one we just sang, We Three Kings of Orient Are, the song that wasn't true. You with me? Here we go. We don't know that there were only three. How do we know there's only three? Three gifts, but maybe there could have been more. There could have been more gifts. There could have been more wise men, right, to be a part of that. We just really don't know. Some say that there could have been 12. And they have some traditional names for them. Melchior. Some say he was a Persian scholar, Gasper or Jasper, an Indian scholar, and Balthazar, a scholar from Arabia. Now, I'm still trying to figure out we three kings of Orient are coming from the east, how somebody from Egypt got in there. I'm not sure about that, but we'll uh, see if we can figure that one out. Uh, many years ago, my son, Chaz, when he was eight or nine, was in a play at Ken Carroll Baptist Church uh, when we were on staff there, and they had the names of the three men, wise men there. And um, uh, their, their translation of Balthasar, because that might be a little bit hard for kids to say, he was called Pinky. So I don't know, you know, we don't know if that might have been really his name or not, all right? But the, those names are kind of traditional names that are put up there for the, the, the uh, three. Okay, so secondly, they weren't kings. We know from the translation, it's not the Greek word for king. It's the Greek word for wise men or astrologers. And we know that from the language. And in their, day, in their day, you know that they watched the stars. They were wise men. They watched the stars to ascertain what could be events that could be coming up. For our sake, we've been calling these wise men the wise guys, right? Having a little bit of fun with that. The wise guys for us. The third thing. That, way, that wasn't true about this song. They weren't from the Orient. Not the Far East, as we think, China and that region. They were from probably the area of Iran or Iraq, Babylon or Persia. Some have said that they could have come from the USA and the Deep South because they came from afar. You got it. Good. You're good. You're on today. You guys are on today. This is fun. Now, the fourth thing, this isn't in the song, but the fourth thing about this passage in, in Matthew chapter 2, you probably have already turned there, or maybe you didn't know we are going to be there today, huh? wise men, Matthew chapter 2. The interesting thing to me, and one commentator noted this too, well, probably many of them noted it, but notice this, that Matthew gives more words and more text to the story of the wise men or the wise guys than he does to the birth of Christ in Matthew 1. 
Matthew 1, 18 through 25, so eight verses or so. And here he gives the story to the wise men or the wise guys, Matthew 2, 1 through 18. He gives more text to that. Now, I don't know all the reasons for that. He doesn't downplay the birth of Christ, of course. But I think that there might be something valuable in that, and it's this. Matthew, a Jew, we know from his book and who his audience is, he's writing to his Jewish people. We see that all through the book, that he's writing to his Jewish people. I think that as he includes this story, I think he's trying to broaden it out to help us understand right at the beginning of the book that, yes, Jesus is a Jew, he's come for the Jewish people, but he's also come for the Gentile people. The door is open for those who are not a part of the Jewish race. Because how does he finish his book? Go, therefore, and make disciples of what? All nations. And I think there's a sense of tying that together, that he's trying to help us understand early on that, that and we may have some who are of the Jewish race here today, but for majority of us, we're not a part of that, but Jesus has come for both Jews and Gentiles for us. And we're so thankful for that. Here's the passage. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men, not kings, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? If we saw a star when it rose, and if we come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet Micah, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child, and, and when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. <clears throat> After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. <laughs> Get that? Not just a little joy. Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. <laughs> and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down, and they worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and they departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. 
Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years, two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted. They are no more. Father, this is your word. May we learn from it. May we grow from it. We ask for wisdom, like Solomon did, that we might be able to apply what you teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, with all that background about the story that wasn't true, why do we sing that carol? Someone wrote it. There we go. <laughs> Someone wrote it. Well, we, we, we sing it because there is truth in it. There is truth in it. We three kings of Oriandar, bearing gifts we travel so far, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. That's true, isn't it? Following yonder star? That's a yes. I can hear you say that. Thank you. Star of wonder, star of night. Star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, yeah, still proceeding, going that way, guide us to thy holy light. So what's true? What's true about that song? Well, the first is, they wise guys were guided by the star. And they knew that the star was taking them to who? The Messiah, the King of the Jews, for they say that. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. That's true. They were guided by the star. I think that leads us to this. Make sure the directions that you embrace from your life, for your life, are from above. There's all sorts of directions that you can come up with for life. But most of them aren't from above. Make sure they're God's directions for you and also for everyone else. They may be specific to you, but they should be characterized for all people that they are God's directions and that He is guiding you. Another truth, they came to worship the King of the Jews. They knew that this was a very special child destined for a very special serve that he should be worshipped. But how did they know that? How did they know they were supposed to follow this star and that it would lead him to the king of the Jews? God revealed it to them. In some way, he revealed it to them. Maybe they had the Old Testament scriptures in some way, probably not in their hands specifically, but maybe it had been passed on through oral tradition. There will be a Messiah born. The Messiah is coming. Maybe it had been given to them in that way. Maybe God spoke to them in a dream. We know lots of dreams, especially in this first part of Matthew and Luke, these dreams that come to people. God was guiding them and, and directing them. Certainly, it could have been through a dream. The point is this. God was speaking, and they heard. He was directing, and they did what? They traveled. They obeyed. They followed the direction that they were getting. The same for us. God's speaking, 
When you read his word and you're reading through the Christmas stories, he's speaking to you, he's showing you things. And what he wants us to do, as Jamie so well put it for the kiddos, is not just to have knowledge of it, but to do it. <laughs> to put it into practice. What he gives for us to do to honor Third, what's true, Herod was greatly troubled by the news that he heard. Not just a little bit troubled, big time troubled by this news. The news of a, another king and the king of the Jews, this area that he ruled over and he reigned over, his sphere of influence. The thought of Jesus and his right to rule and reign greatly troubles many people today. Many people can't even say Christmas or even Christmas because they don't want to pledge any kind of allegiance to him. Nice holiday. We'll take advantage of it. But man, we don't want Jesus to rule in our life. We don't want him to reign in our life. We don't want him to have the authority in our life. You see, they don't understand that. He's the prince who came to give peace. And our heart breaks for those who have not found that for themselves. That's why we pray for them as I prayed for you, your ones that we listed through the years. Who's your one? I prayed through that list again today that, that we would have opportunity, you would have opportunity to share Jesus with them during this Christmas season so that they might come to know the truth of who Jesus Christ is. It's interesting that, that when Herod assembled the religious, religious leaders, he found out where this baby was going to be born, the king of the Jews. <laughs> then he asked this. He didn't ask about the king of the Jews, but what, look what it says in verse 4. He assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. That's very interesting. The Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, promised in the Old Testament. He asked that specific question. Not just kind of the king of the Jews or a really, you know, a really great guy, but, but he somehow... In his mind, he knows who they're talking about. The Messiah, the promised one who's to come. Here's the truth. Another truth. But in the moment of desperate sanity, King Herod knew where to get an answer to the wise guy's question. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? In a moment of desperate sanity, he knew where to get an answer to the wise guy's question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? He sent them where? To the chief priests and to the scribes of the people, those people who knew the Old Testament. And they gave the correct answer. The king of the Jews is to be born where? In Bethlehem. Because that was what was promised. We know it as Micah 5.2. The prophet Micah says he will be born in Bethlehem out of Bethlehem, there will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A prophetic recognition that there will be a Messiah. There will be the one from the Old, the Old Testament prophesied through the Old Testament will be born 
in the little town of Bethlehem. Now, Max Lucado, as I was reading an article by him this week, notes that it's interesting that neither King Herod or the religious leaders went with the wise guys to see the one who had been born king of the Jews. They got the answer. They knew the answer, but they didn't go. You see, you can know the right answer, but not want to live by it. Knowledge, exactly, but not wisdom. You can know the right answer, but you don't want to follow it. Even Christians do that too. We know the right answer. We know this is what we should do. But that's a little bit it's a little bit inconvenient. That's gonna take a little bit of my time. Oh the culture says I shouldn't do that. Um, that's all right, Lord, you'll forgive me. You ever done that? Yeah, I have too. We've all done it. And we do need his forgiveness, and we're so thankful for his forgiveness. But they knew the answer. They didn't go to worship him. You see, wise guys seek him, but religious people don't. And they're all around us. A sense of religion. But they don't want to follow what God's word says. I heard a man say that in a council meeting on Monday night. One of our council members basically said those words. I'm a religious man, but don't tell me what the Word of God says. Not exact quote, but pretty close. I'm a religious man, but don't tell me what the Word of God says, that it's wrong. Here's the truth. They come and they find a child in a house, not a baby in the manger. Although not in the carol, we, it's not in the carol. We typically see the manger scene and the wise guys are gathered around the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. But that's not true because it says in verse 11, and going into the house... And going into the house, they saw the child. Now, the house could have been associated with the inn. Okay? The house could have been associated with the inn because usually these inns, typically, they, they were for families as they would gather during these times. And it could have been associated with the stable or the cave where Jesus was born. Certainly could have been that. But we don't get that sense when we look at it here. I came across something that was uh, very interesting. Uh, this, somebody sent me this. Let's see if it's the next slide. There we go. If there had been three wise women, they would have asked directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They'd have brought practical gifts. They'd have cleaned the stable. They'd have made a casserole. And there would be peace on earth. And I thought I thought it was pretty humorous too, to be honest with you. Okay, but now I'm going to push back a little bit. Okay. 
would have asked directions. The wise men didn't need directions because they had a GPS, a global positioning star. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funnier than that. Come on now. Didn't they? They didn't need directions because God gave them directions by a global positioning star. Okay? Arrived on time. They arrived exactly when God wanted them to be there. And it wasn't at the birth of Jesus. What's the next one? Help deliver the baby? Yep, they would have done that. Okay, we understand that one. Brought practical gifts? You tell me gold's not practical? Gold's going to get them to Egypt. It's going to help provide for them while they're in Egypt for those years. Clean the stable? Yeah, probably. But maybe clean the house. Made a casserole? Okay, I'm going to give that one to you ladies. Okay? The wise guys did not bring a casserole. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Didn't say anything about a casserole. But ladies, if you wanted to bring a casserole, you certainly could bring a casserole for that, right? And there would be peace on earth, just as the angel said to the shepherds, for all those who would follow him, that his favor would rest on them. Anyway, thought that was kind of fun as we think about the wise men and the wise girl. But, but, but see, look, look at We see the word child used in verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, not baby. In verse 9. And listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. They were exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother. Based on the fact that Herod, crazy Herod, crazed Herod, he was crazy. That's why I said in a moment of desperate sanity, he went to the chief priests and to the scribes. That moment, he, he, had, he was sane. But he's not sane in thinking this. Based on what he does, he ascertains from the wise men, when did you see the star many years ago? And now he's going and doing the calculations and figuring out, oh, this child must be two or younger. And in the midst of that, we can say that as they came to the house, they saw Jesus as the child. He's still in Bethlehem before they made the journey to Egypt. Rich Mullins sings his great song called The Deliverer to escape the rage of a deadly king. Great song, The Deliverer. And then northeast as he went to Galilee to grow up. And we think about that in verses 8, 16 through 18. We can only imagine the pain and the grief and the sorrow of those parents who lost their child the rage of a deadly king. Again, Bethlehem's a small town. Maybe a thousand people. So how many parents we don't know lost their child? I mentioned that meeting that I went to on Monday night or city council. You know, there's numerous people have no problem killing children. 
Oh, they're in the womb. But they're children nonetheless. And we've been sticking up for that. To care for them. To provide life for them because God has given them life. And we shouldn't take that lightly. Please pray for our city council. It is a divisive issue, this abortion clinic coming to Brooklyn. But those children have a right to live because God gave them that right. Pray that we would not continue the slaughtering of children. Another truth in this passage They worshipped the King of the Jews, the Messiah, Jesus. They fell down and they worshipped Jesus, it says. You see, definition, worship. What is worship? Lots of different ways. Worship is simply expressing my love to Jesus. Boil it down, that's really what it comes. However I do that, I worship Him. I express my love for Jesus. And we're supposed to, how do we are supposed to express our love for Jesus? We're supposed to do it with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, 31. And here they do that. They do it with their strength, with their physical body. They fall down before Him. I think we need to do more of that, friends. We do it with our mind. But but how can we worship Him with who we are in this physical body. That's what they do. They fall down before Him. When was the last time you or I fell down before Him and worshipped Him? They did. It's a great example for us of how we can worship Him through our strength. And the carol gets it right. They bring gifts, right? Another demonstration of physical worship and loving the Lord with our all. These are meaningful, prophetic gifts as we're going to look at over the next three Sundays. And as I mentioned, I'm sure the gold helped finance their trip to Egypt, the time that they're in Egypt, and then their journey to Galilee. You remember we talked about the Advent conspiracy last week, the fact that we need to worship Him fully. They, they had to think through this. They didn't just all of a sudden, you know, go to the Dollar General store when they got into Bethlehem and get some gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> They had to think through, what are we going to bring for this man who's named and born King of the Jews? You see, because when we worship fully, it'll help us to understand that we can spend less so we can give more. I don't know if they had to spend less to give more. I just know that they brought these gifts, and in that, they loved all because they came from a long distance to be able to love this one who is, in a sense, different than them as a Jew, Gentiles coming. They participated in that. And did they leave a legacy? You've got to say yes, it's in the Bible. They left a legacy for us that this is a way that we can worship Him. He's worth whatever it costs to worship Him. They came for a long distance, six, nine months, maybe longer than that, to get there. And they bring these gifts. Yes, maybe they had those ability to be able to give those. We all have those ability to be able to do that we think about that, think about your Jesus gift this year. Who can you help that really needs help? The Lord brought somebody to me this week. 
Now, I probably get maybe more opportunities than do because I'm the pastor of the church and these things come. They're part of what we do. But the Lord brought somebody to us who really needed help this week. And we were able to write that check yesterday. I'll mail it out to somebody to help this lady who really needs help. And we as a church helped her. She had no food. And we were able to help her get some groceries. Yes. Yes. Ask God so that you can give a Jesus gift. Jesus, this is my gift for you this this Christmas time to help somebody who really needs help. And I'm going to dig deeper than I normally would because I'm going to give up something and this is what I'm going to do. Maybe you don't even need to give up something. Probably most of us don't need to, to be honest. But we have the ability, it's right here, right there, to be able to help somebody who really needs help. And what a joy it's going to be. I hope I have other opportunities too. It probably won't be the only one that I'll get. And what a joy to be able to do that. And what a joy they had. Look at that. What it says there about when they came, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Four ways that they put it all together. Man, they're thrilled. We found him. Woo! Yeah! Can you imagine how great that was for them? And Herod, and the religious leaders all missed him. He was right there about three miles away from where they lived. Small little journey to get there. They missed him. So let's think about Jesus as king. That's what gold represents. As they bring this gift. That, that he is the king. You think about that. He was born on Bethlehem's plain. The words of the carol say. Gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Oh, oh, you got it. Born a king. That means he reigns over his creation and his kingdom. Here's the promise given to Mary in Luke chapter 1. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The promise given to Mary, transferred to us, this is who Jesus is. Paul said of Jesus in Colossians chapter 1, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. doesn't mean he was born physically. It means that he has preeminence. He is prominent. He's over all creation. That's who he is because he reigns over us. He sang a song. We sang a song this morning called Joy to the World. Takes, it, it speaks more about his messianic reign, his reign in the future, than it does about him coming as his, in his birth. But it says this, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth, help me, receive her king. The second verse says, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. The fourth verse says, He rules the world with truth and grace. And then it says in there, it says, Let every heart prepare him room. Have you 
made room for him this Christmas? You're going to have to probably move some things to do that. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to say, I'm going to make time. And you, hopefully you're off to a good start. Read through the Christmas story. Reading your Advent books, your devotional books that you've got. You've, you've been giving him his time. As I said last week, I, I don't think there's anybody here that doesn't have 10 more minutes for Jesus every day. If you don't, you're too busy. Set aside some things and give him the time that he deserves. Because he reigns. He's the king. And you, as a believer in Christ, are part of his kingdom. His family. And he wants to be a part of your life and your day. Every day, make room in your heart for him. D.L. Moody said, give him your life. He can do more with it than you can. How's the Messiah in? Written by Handel many years ago. King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He will reign forever. Is this kingdom, and that's what a king communicates, this reigning in our lives, let him reign and rule in your life today. Say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I want you to be prominent and preeminent in my life, to be number one in my life. But as king, he also has authority. In Mary's Magnificat, the song of praise when she's with Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, she says this, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has the authority to be able to do that because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you remember when Jesus was before Pilate? And Pilate says, says to him as, as they're conversing, Pilate says, do you not know that I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And I'm sure he said it with a sneer. <laughs> do you not know that I have the authority to release you or to, the authority to crucify you. And Jesus says, humble of heart, but speaking the truth. You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. <laughs> nanny, nanny, boo, boo. <laughs> you think you're so high and mighty, Pilate. You have no authority unless it comes from above because I am the authority. And I'm submitting because this is God's plan for you to do and not to release me and to send me to the cross. Now think about it. King Jesus is not an authoritarian dictator. But he's the one who wants to be graciously and knowingly in charge of your life. Because he knows what's best Jesus is the only king who stepped down into his reign as a servant. Jesus is the only king who stepped down into his reign as a servant. Third, the king has riches. When we think about a king, we think about a king, we think about his treasure chest. 
of gold, coins spilling out and pearls and gold necklaces. We have those images in our mind. We think about a king with a golden crown or with emeralds in it, uh, the beautiful crown that's on his head. We think about a king who sits on the throne elevated. You have to take the steps up there. And if you want to get to there, you have to bow down and ask for his pleasure to be able to get there. And yet it says of of King Jesus who endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah, he has the throne. He's there. It's a place of authority, but it's also a place of submission because he's at the right hand. Living in submission to his Father, which is what he said he did on earth. I only come to do the will of my Father. I only come to do what the Father's directing me to do. And even today, as he's in back in heaven with his Father, he sits there in a place of authority, but also a place of submission. Oh, and Jesus is a very unusual king. He wore a crown. Yeah, a crown of thorns. You don't see that on most kings. That's who Jesus is. A servant who came to not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. He's also the one who has all the riches that you'll need. Exactly what you'll need for your life. And my God shall supply all, right? Every need of yours, according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He has what you need. He'll take care of you as you have these needs that are before you. As Paul says there in that passage, I've learned to be content in whatever situation it is because I know that my God will supply every need that I have through his riches in Christ Jesus. And Jesus became poor for our sake. That out of his poverty, right, he might be able to lift us up and give us his riches. Lastly, the king is to be the king is to be worshipped. What did they do in going into the house? They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And they offered their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It says in Revelation chapter 5, Worthy, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood... You ransom people from God, from every language, tribe, and language, and people, and nation. You are worthy to be worshipped. Mm. Do it this Christmas season. Worship Him fully. Give Him the time that He deserves and that you need. You see, the wise men went seeking Jesus. The religious leaders and King Herod did not. Many years ago, I read the book, The God Chasers. And he says in that book, those who chase after God don't catch God, but God catches them. You see, wise men, wise guys, wise gals still seek him today. Jesus, the King of the Jews. Seek him this Christmas season. You'll find him. How beautiful. 